Meteorologist Joe Bastardi, The American Storm, Episode 4 of The American Storm. And uh, this is going to be a good episode, and unless it turns out bad, it all depends <laughs> on what you think about it at the end. I'm going to try not to, uh, you know, try to, not to go an hour today or whatever the heck we did. I am joined by the voice of Penn State Wrestling. And I got to tell you something, Jeff. Uh, I'm really concerned that football's getting so good. I mean, it could be that Steve Jones, who's the football announcer, I mean, he, you know, he's going to be elevated over here. I, I hear you. I, 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 what's funny is I have an idea about that, that sometime you want to have him doing color for wrestling. <laughs> and then uh, there could be sometimes he, you could do color for football. Well, Jeff's over there. And, of course, we have the American girl, Jesse Bastardi, the voice of common sense <laughs> and the voice of keeping her dad in line so her dad does not say, too many stupid things that can get him in trouble on this podcast. Anybody want to comment on that? No. I have nobody that's the gatekeeper over here for me. That's well, the problem Well, we just let now. you say, how can you do any wrong? <laughs> that's what I keep asking people, but there's a number of people that seem to think that there somehow is. Well, um, I got triggered today, once again. USA Today, talking about how... Climate change is not being taught to kids enough in school <laughs> and that they should be made aware uh, in this age of rising temperatures and rising disasters of what's going on. Now, let me get this straight. We have kids with climate anxiety. Climate anxiety, all right? That's the first thing. It's because they've been just pounded away with this climate change thing. The second thing is... With, one, with four times the amount of people on the planet, we have 128th the amount of climate deaths uh, that we did in 1930, climate and weather deaths. Now, what I propose, this, this, is, this is across the board. The, uh, the journalism today is bonehead. Did you see Portnoy on, on, uh, talking about, did you, did you see that, the Barstool Sports guy? We, we, about which one? Okay, well, what happened was he decided to have this thing called a one-bite pizza contest, right? Yeah. No. All right. No. Go it, on. The con it, was it a contest? Yeah. He does one bite. Everyone knows the rules where he's trying. It started out, he's trying to visit every New York pizza shop in the country. And, or not in the country. In New He was trying to visit every pizza shop in New York and rate them on a scale of 1 to 10. But and he then wanted it turned them to all into, show up at his... Okay. At, yeah. Yes. I just want to preface it. Like, yeah. Okay, go ahead. And the Washington Post went after him, right? And start bringing stuff up. And, and what happened was he called them on it. And what was interesting was I had a run-in with them uh, several years ago. And I'll say over what it was. It's after President Trump na uh, nominated the CEO of AccuWeather, Barry Myers, uh, to be the, um, uh, the director of NOAA. And the Washington Post, I I'm, driving up, I'm, I'm driving back from Florida. And the I get a call from the Washington Post. And I used to be on okay terms with their so-called capital weather gang over there. So uh, what they wanted me to do was literally badmouth Barry Myers because, you know, I had a, uh, I didn't have the best of split-ups with AccuWeather, all right? So what they thought they were going to be able to uh, uh, get me, so what they tried to do was they tried to manipulate me into saying bad things about Barry. And what I kept saying was, well, since he's the CEO of AccuWeather and he's making probably more money than most people would be making, 
obviously he's a patriot, wants to serve his country. And they would get madder and madder. And finally, you know what they did? I, I, I had a, a lawsuit with that, you know, AccuWeather. There was a lawsuit. I don't think everybody knows about it. They, I don't know how they got the details of that lawsuit unsealed, but they were telling, did you realize that you, you were uh, sued for more money than all the lawsuits in center? I mean, I, I don't even know if that's correct. But this is what they do. So what I'm saying is this. What, Portnoy, all right, he, he called her out on it because she <laughs> tried to bait and switch him. So after I predicted that Texas freeze nine days away, Salon came after me, called me a fringe meteorologist. And the guy calls up, and he's real. So Salon or Vice, I can't remember. I can't get the two mixed up. Guy calls up, and uh, you know me, Jeff, and you, I'm a gregarious guy. I'll talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. I once had a person... I once had a person at a conference once say to me, how come it was at the Heartland conference and there were a bunch of people there trying to tear down what Heartland was doing. And I was presenting. They said, how come, how come you're so happy all the time? I said, because this is what God made me to do. That really got him mad. But what I'm saying is the guy called me a fringe meteorologist and said, what is Ted Cruz and uh, Governor Abbott doing talking to someone in the private sector? You know why? Because the public sector wasn't predicting from nine days out what Weatherbell had. So they, were, they tried to take something that was positive and character assassinate me. And so let's get back to what I was saying about USA Today. All right. This kind of journalism, folks, I don't care what you're looking at. I don't care if I call media misinformation, media, uh, the media misinformation media, this is an orchestrated uh, campaign of deception, a campaign of distortion, and campaign of delusion. And you may think, oh, you're way off, Joe, or you're oh. If you actually look at what these people are doing, putting out that kind of article, we're not teaching climate change. So, oh, by the way, by the <laughs> way, can- USA Today. You know what the global temperature is right now? It's 57.18. Last week at this time, it was 57.38. Uh, normal, normal's 57. So right now, we are about 0.18 Fahrenheit above the 30-year running mean. Do you think any human being can actually detect that it's two-tenths of a degree warmer? And when you say normal, that that's the average over thirty years. Is, that, is that yeah, that's, that's an average. Because, look, look, because that's the other thing. Te- is, temperatures of te- is a bunch of garbage. Well, and anything being normal when it is ever changing is also, in and of itself, I think a little misleading. But yeah. Well, my point is that journalists across the board. Well, how are, about- are just completely okay? It's not just. I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, no, don't apologize. I'm, your podcast. I was watching Laura Ingram the other night, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I actually wrote a blog on CFAC. Where have you been? Even the folks that you're supposedly, oh, well, Fox is this and Newsday is this or whatever. No, they're not. All they do is wait for something to happen and then react. And by that time, the horse is out of the barn. The, tr- the, the lie is three quarters of the way around the world. And this is what you're getting. And, and it's just really frustrating and maddening because it's orchestrated. You think, you think that this is all just, uh, oh, they're making mistakes. They're doing their best. They are doing their best. They're doing their best to accomplish their mission, which is to take down this whatever, you know, you believe about the, this country today. 
Well, the other part sorry, of it is it just it's it is very reactionary, and everything is. Uh, once something happens, then let's get the reactions and let's get the what you at least think are going to be opposing sides and get people no, but screaming the other side, at each other. The, okay, okay. I've heard this for years because I used to be on Fox quite a bit, but I think I'm persona non grata there. I always thought persona non grata was an Italian dish, you know. <laughs> but then I found out that it meant that no, I, no one's really like – and I could tell because uh, I've, been, I've been called up and asked to be on and then they cancel me. And I'll tell you what that means. That means that, um, I mean, Sean still has me on his radio show, but um, I'll tell you what that means. When someone will find out, uh, we call Joe Bastardi, and the producer will come in and say, well, no, we don't want him on. And so that, that's, and that's fine. I don't really care. I, no, have a face, I, I have a face for radio anyway. But what I'm saying is they have done, that despite what people say about Fox or Newsmax or whatever, they have done nothing to get in front of this. Now, I'm this way because for seven years, since that El Nino, the Super Nino went off in 1516, that exposed this for being nothing but a bunch of political nonsense, right? Because it pumped all the water vapor in the air. We saw the spike in the temperature, so we, we know it's water vapor, right? And they just sat there looked at it. And believe me, I just got so sick of calling people down in D.C., to try to uh, try to uh, get some things done, or at least arm them with ideas, right, so that they could actually push the issue, which is well, they, they let it go, and uh, it's kind of weird. I'm friends with Mark Morano, very good friends with Mark Morano. I love the guy, but he kept saying, "Joe, only five or six percent of people care about this," but that's that. For instance, was a swing vote, and secondly, it's the zealots that are leading this charge. And they have got, we've got our back against the wall in this country. Uh, I mean, people don't understand. Well, I guess they do now. They're waking up now because you just saw what the polls look like. They started to figure it out. Well, and that, that small percentage, it are those are the people driving the narrative. Yeah. And it is a narrative that is overwhelmingly well, accepted. Well, no, look at how the... I don't know, social politics have taken over this country. Look at what they teach kids in school now. And like how much of a percentage of the population is actually like questioning their gender. But you look at look at schools. And I was about to say from the get go, we need to teach kids more about climate in schools. Most uh, I believe I went down a little rabbit hole the other day that most seventh graders are reading at a fourth grade level in this country. So we're going to teach people who can not read up to par as where they should be for their age about climate change. And, but that seems almost like very convenient that kids are undereducated and now we're going to inject a very complex problem into their brain so they can just, Oh yeah. Greenhouse gases. It's like if you walk into a greenhouse, CO2 does this and now it's hotter. So that makes sense when it's like, no. So when people are under, like are not performing to the level that are like able to read or comprehend things, you know, it's like, okay, maybe we should fix the problem that our country is illiterate or kids are yeah. not as literate as they should be. But no, but they don't want to fix it because you can profit off of well, you not also, being aware. You know, ignorance is bliss. Yeah, I know. It's so, like we don't, kids don't know how to read cursive anymore. Like, uh, uh, so I, I think this is not by accident. Yeah. I don't, I don't know <laughs> what the rest of the, what, what, what you think, Jeff or Jesse. I think this is all designed. I hear people go, uh, you know, they continually just tear up, you know, what the Biden administration is doing. And I'm like, 
they're doing this on purpose. This is Cloward Piven. Uh, Cloward Piven uh, were two professors at Columbia in 1969 who designed the system to destroy the United States, to turn the United States into a Marxist country. And it involved the overloading of the U.S. system. So finally, the system collapses, and then you come in with the reset. Every single thing that is being done is doing that. And I'll tell you what. There's no reason that you should be paying what you're paying for energy, mm-hmm. all right? And it's, it, what it's doing is it is literally it is literally boxing people in so they don't have freedom anymore. And when freedom and hope and vision disappears and that they're using climate and they use – it's like everything is, is, is a lot with this. By the way, this COVID thing is really – Interesting, because I, I was watching the uh, the other night the Penn State football game, and it hit me that this is a one hundred and seven thousand super spreader event it was over here. How, how many people were in the crowd? One ten. One ten. I was sitting there going, "It's cool. It's rainy. It's windy. You've got <laughs> all the. You've got all the. Uh, you know." Which I don't understand why you have to t- – first of all, if I looked like a lot of those guys, I wouldn't take my shirt off anyway. You know, <laughs> but, but yet alone it being 52, 53 degrees or whatever it was. But, uh, you know, you, you hear about that, and it's definitely something that is going around. And I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what the, what the missives are and what is being accepted. And, uh, you know, I try to talk to younger people because I'll, I'll walk into where Jesse, Jesse works and there'll be some younger people in there. And they, they go, eh, I don't really believe it, but I don't care. Right. And that's what you were saying last time about right, the indifference. The, Luke, the, the whole lukewarm thing. But, OK, so you saw me triggered by USA Today. There are other things I'm being triggered about, but I'm going to get to this. So there was a. Um, Interesting article that I got sent to today. I haven't digested all of it by Dr. Willie Soon, who Love once him. we figure out how to do stuff, we're going to have to put Dr. Soon on. <laughs> He's worth the price of admission, believe me. But it has to do with the reversal. Every 32 years, the molten core of the earth reverses. And when it reverses, it leads to the increase in uh, volcanic activity underwater or a decrease. There are times when it flips back the other way and it shuts the geothermal activity down, which is what we saw in the 60s and 70s and into the 80s. And over the last 30 years, it went the other way. And when it does, it puts a tremendous amount of stress on the core, the, 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 uh, the bottom, the crust, right? So you get the release of this geothermal energy into the oceans, which then... Uh, Warm the oceans, which then warm the air. It's just beautiful. And what's funny is I'm looking at this going, uh, look, here's the thing. Everything that I'm trying to show people fits given the weather. You Mm. see what I'm saying? It is the weather that made me suspicious to go look for this. It's no different than an astronomer, and he's he's watching planets move, and he's noticing certain patterns and said. There's got to be another planet or another star or something over there. And they look and they wait and bang, they see it, right? So this, this, is, the, this is the conclusion I've come to uh, as far as uh, that goes. But it's supported 
And where does where does that um, change in the molten core come from? It may be because of changes in astronomical cycles with the relationship between Jupiter and the Sun. You see what you see what's going on here, folks. There's more than just oh. There's some extra carbon dioxide in the air. Yeah, the problem is way bigger than that. And nothing, and it's like CO2, it seems like it makes sense because humans breathe CO2. It's like, oh, we can control that. If this isn't, if it was a problem that the earth is getting warmer due to whatever, the problem is way bigger than anything we could possibly ever control. So the problem would be way worse. Jordan Peterson makes that point a lot it's well, like actually if this is a problem the problem is way worse than you could ever comprehend and humans cannot do a darn thing about it but well, who's to say it's a problem that's where i'm at it's like i don't well, know i don't if it's think a it is a pro- I, I don't think it's a problem optimum. at all i like, think god I think, forbid you know, they, the earth is greener than ever right they talk about record heat there's record heat in a small amount of the country there's not record heat all over the country i mean we just had this is the fifth month in a row where uh centered over the ohio valley it's been below normal with temperatures, mm. the West is having it. West is getting started with an early winter already. This is the lowest wildfire season for the continental United States, I think, in 40 years. And do you ever hear about anything like that? No, of course not. You only hear about wildfires. Yeah, when when, it's when like they threatening occur. people's houses, yeah. just like you only hear about hurricanes when they're like threatening people's property, which is strange. It's so weird because the environmentalists like only get concerned about things when it threatens property, which is very. It's just weird. It's like why can why can't Mother Nature seize, seize the means of private property? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, that's that's <laughs> interesting because the, the 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 property values are what's causing the uh, the damage to go up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's just absurd. That's what. Yeah, that's where it's power just absurd. And, impact I, and, and and you know, you made a point about seventh graders reading at fourth grade levels. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a questioning, relatively intelligent, curious vigilant, virtual, uh, 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 um, virtuous society, you're done. Well, you and have to be smart enough to question the right things, too. It's like to ask the right questions. If you're trying to solve a stupid problem, you're going to have stupid answers and stupid yeah. solutions. Yeah. You know, it's like so much of our country, I feel like, is trying to solve stupid problems, not the right problems. Uh, or problems that are relatively trivial. Yeah. They're not trivial to the people having the problem. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. In the big picture, though, they are getting much. It's almost like what happened with what what happened with um, you know Lou Holtz. All right, the other night, mm-hmm. mouthing off about Ryan Day, the Ohio State coach. Oh, they're not tough. They don't win the big games. All right. Well, they have to get to the big games, Lou. How many big games does Notre Dame get to? The mm-hmm. last time they were in a big game, they got blown out by 40 points, was it? The, and I'm emotional about it because the Aggies should have been in there. That was the year they had Monk at quarterback, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they were 11-1 and one or something. They only lost to Alabama. But, okay, so you're judging a guy, uh, you know, uh, uh, by, by the triviality of, oh, they're not tough. Notre Dame's tough. Well, I got news for you, Lou. All right. If that game's in Columbus, that's a 10-point Ohio State victory. All right. Now, I think Notre Dame's got a good football team, but you see what I'm talking. You see what I'm talking about here. It, it he's making a big thing. Lou Holtz was making a big thing out of a. Tr- and I know we got Notre Dame fans, and I, I I do like Notre Dame now because I've been out there and spoken a couple of times, and they treated me like a king. So I got rid of the hate that I used to have for Notre Dame. Remember in the 80s. <laughs> Uh, Mrs. Paterno once said to me, 
I can't believe it. Notre Dame comes in here and half the crowd is a Notre Dame crowd. How does that happen, right? But, but what, I, what I'm saying is we tend to do that. We tend to concentrate on the trivial. The, the worst movie I think that we've ever had was G.I. Jane, right? So you got this stud. Who, who I forget who played G.I. Jane, but your mother probably could have played G.I. Jane because my wife, Jessica, was very strong, you know. I mean, she could do 40 pull-ups. I'd be training with my wife, and i go, go over there. That guy's got 130 pounds on the lap machine. Go over there and put 140 on, do an extra rep more than him, right? <laughs> so Jess could carry a 35-pound backpack and probably be in the Army and mm-hmm. probably – the, the objective test, but she's not representative of the large scale picture. And this idea where you're glorifying the, the amount of the small amounts of carbon dioxide, this, this matter or that matter, right? The, the triviality, all right, appeals to people that look for trivial things. And there are a lot of people doing that today. Well, and I think generally speaking, and I think, to kind of tack on to what Jess was saying is I think that there, we want there to be simple answers, whether it's a complex or a simple issue. We, we want the, the simple answer. And I think part of it is just the TV movie culture that we're in where we expect the, the story to be wrapped up in yeah. a two-hour time frame or a one-hour time frame. And we expect in the real world, maybe not that quickly, but yeah, within a year, it, let's... Tell us what the problem is, and then we fix it. And But I wanted to follow up, Joe, just a little bit more on the explanation of the El Nino in 2015-2016, because I'm not sure. I, it, can you explain a little more about what, what happened there and why that is uh, would be counterintuitive to the whole uh, CO2 well, what happened was is, it, is the it, cause it, of global what warming. What happens is in 97, 98, 15, 16, we had super, super El Ninos. And um, what they do is they pump a tremendous amount of water vapor in the air. And the water vapor results in a lot of warming. It, it warms it more where it's cold. All right? Uh, uh, if, you, if you put clouds over the Arctic, the Arctic is warmer in the wintertime. All right? Snows more. Right, but the temperatures are higher. Now we're talking about instead of being minus forty, it's minus thirty. It's still very cold. So what happens is if you pump extra water vapor in the air, you're going to warm you're going to warm the coldest places the most. Mm-hmm. So it is is vital to understand that. Now I wrote us. Uh, there's a simple explanation of why you're seeing these El Ninos is that the cumulative buildup of heat in the ocean from a steady increase in underwater volcanic activity means that eventually enough of it builds up so that when the La, what we call the La Nina base state has to relax, boom, the Super Nino comes along, all right? Now, what is the La Nina base state and what causes it? Well, since the 97-98 El Nino, what we use is something called the multivariate ENSO index, which takes into account what the atmosphere is doing along with the What kind of reaction is the atmosphere having with the ocean? For instance, we're not even in an El Nino right now in the multivariate ENSO index. It hasn't arrived, right? So while we have this strong El Nino, the counter to the past three years of La Nina, 
it's only in the ocean temperatures. It's not manifesting itself in the atmosphere fully yet, mm. which is very interesting for the upcoming winter because weak MEI El Ninos are the big winters, and we've got, you know, Weather Bell's got a real big winter forecast for the United States this year, especially from Texas to New England. But what happens is, so if, okay, if you keep filling water up, all right, if you have a pan, Let's say you have, uh, you, know, you remember the remember those Russian egg things that they have? Mm-hmm. You have small egg, small egg, small Well, if you fill the small egg up, eventually it overflows, and it's going to fill the bigger egg up, and then it's going to fill the bigger egg up. Every time it overflows is literally the El Nino, and mm-hmm. so pumps all that water vapor in the air. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, all right, when the El Ninos are not occurring, the increase in volcanic activity is causing hot spots, Right? Like you can see, every three or four year a hot spot develops. It's very crucial because if the hot spot in the North Pacific is against the west coast of Canada, we get very cold winters here. If it's out near the Dateline, we don't get very cold winters here. So we got to watch where that hot spot is. What's feeding that hot spot? Well, underwater volcanic activity and the Pacific, the thermohaline current, cool. where you're warming up. Well, you're warming things up in the, uh, in the ocean. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. The ocean is very cold at the bottom. Yes, it's very cold, but if it's warmer than what it usually is, when that gets redistributed to the top, it warms the top too, okay? The, okay, the atmosphere, let's say at 18,000 feet Miami in the summer, all right, is warmer than the atmosphere at 18,000 feet over Montreal, Right, mm-hmm. because obviously Miami is a warmer place. Well, if you warm the base up, and that gets redistributed because of the processes that occur when water is mixed and rises and gets pushed around, you're going to create these hot spots. So they're vitally important to the forecaster. And this is what is wrong with the meteorological field today. You guys, if you, you got some young guys, you have to question where these things are coming from. Unless you don't care about your forecast or you're not making a long-range forecast, all right? I see guys all the time, you know, they can uh, – you can interpret the models. And they, all these models, just mix them all together and look at them. But, you know, people were laughing at when I put on uh, ideas back in the spring of what the winter was going on. But I was basing it on – what I was seeing going on in the Western Pacific and the Indian Ocean, right? And so, so to, to, to make a long story short, there's two ways it's warming. It's warming in a general sense because every time a hot spot shows up, when it cools, there's still the distribution of heat that makes the base temperature a little bit warmer. And then when you get the super ninos go off, like 15, 16, and 97, 98, Right, ninety-seven, ninety-eight changed, changed a bunch of things. It changed a bunch of things, and uh, by that I meant that put us into this La Nina base state. What is the La Nina base state? Well, it, it it generally means that the easterlies in the Pacific are going to be stronger than normal. And what what does that mean? That means that you're going to get uh, it's because of more warming in Asia and the Western Pacific. So the trade winds blow stronger across the Eastern Pacific. And then you go into the Atlantic and leads to an uptick in the amount of Atlantic hurricanes, right? Because there's going to be a balance, balancing act back and forth. So La Nina Bay State is very important. It is a reaction to the warming. And one of the big things that uh, people on my side of the issue, are they think that this cold PDO La Nina is cooling the planet. It's not cooling the planet. 
all it is doing is resisting the warming. So what happens is it's beautiful. Super Nino goes off, and you'll see the you'll see the twenty year mean behind it rise maybe 0.15 degrees. It'll be here, here. So it keeps going up in a step function, which makes sense given the amount of water vapor launched into the air. So what happened last year was the Hunga Tunga Munga Gunga volcano, the underwater volcano, blasted all that water vapor in the air. Well, what did the global temperature do? It responded to it. And so what did the left do? They used it because they know not every person is understanding that. And there has been some pushback, you know, on that. Say, I'm not well, even sure the left understands it. No, they, they'll just use... Uh, uh, I know, yeah. but, like, uh, you think all these journalists know that, oh, yeah, underwater... Uh, like, it's like the same thing as reading at a fourth grade level in seventh, or seventh well, grade. It's like, no, you just don't no, know. And, and that's, that's, what, that's what gets... But, look, it's part our fault. Mm-hmm. It's part... Look, you get the leaders you deserve... And without yeah. a vision, the people will perish. So, you know, I, I wrote that, the CFAC blog, too mm. little, too late, you know. Mm. And uh, maybe I'm going to be wrong. I, I seriously doubt I'm going to be wrong. But, you know, when you're, when, when you know what, what's, what's the old thing about if you boil a crab or boil frogs or whatever it is, you just gradually raise the heat until they, they that's what's going on. Gas is three ninety four. Gas is three ninety four gallon in State College. All right. So are we just going to accept that when it when it could actually be one ninety four? Well, All I right. don't. We have All an right. election coming uh, up, so it's about to get well crazy. Uh, yeah, but uh, people. Uh, the question is, uh, are people going to accept it? You know what I think? I think that people my age are actually something are actually realizing that the left did not follow through on what they had voted on. Um, I read something recently on Twitter that's like the minority or the minorities. Trump has more minority support than any right wing um, candidate. Like, yeah, I ever saw, the, I at this saw point. the poll. But also, yeah, 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 that one poll. And also, I think students remember that the left said that they would forgive student loans that never happened. Yeah, but that that's that would be a disaster for I one know, for I two. I know. I'm not. But, I'm not but, analyzing the problem. I'm saying they didn't deliver what, on some stuff, what, and they what, know that. What I what I what I saw going on is that the kids that are out of college five six years are waking up to yeah. wait a minute. Oh, wait, money. Like yeah. your, your brother, you know. Yeah. For instance, he's got to pay this outrageous. Charles Garrett, twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, he's he's making he's making. He's making a heck of a lot more money than I was making, <laughs> even against inflation. Okay, he can't. There's no way he and his wife can get a house. Mm-hmm. Even us. Okay, we we're blessed in that we have a low mortgage rate. All right, uh, 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 and and if I said if I said to mom, hey, let's sell the house and you know downsize, mm-hmm. that would be stupid because. The value of a house I'd have to buy with this mortgage rate would be 50% of the value of my house now. Yep. That's not how it's supposed to work. Yeah, and it's not conducive so, for people so, trying to make money and circulate money so, in the country. And, and it all comes down to energy. Mm-hmm. If yeah. energy is cheap, uh, production of food is cheap, uh, the, the transportation of food is cheap, the, the, the ability of you to pay your bill. I mean, you know, uh, we've, we've yeah. got a dear friend named uh, Paul Basile, just— and he's, he's he's been he, he lives next door to Bruce Springsteen and Colts Neck. So <laughs> he's got 
He's got a lot. And he says, he says, you know, he says, I have these big bills. But the first thing is, I thank God that I have the money to pay it. Mm -hmm. That's how I am now. I thank God I have the money to pay it. But I'm, I'm concerned that there are a lot of people that don't have the money to pay it. I'm like, it's, how, yeah. how? it's crazy, too, not to interrupt you, but it's the antithesis of what the like actual like left wants. They don't want the big corporations to get bigger and the, the middle class and the lower class to get poorer. But when energy is expensive, you know what I'm saying? It's like they want they want. But I when don't know about that. No, no, no. But like, they say that they don't. No, but I, I, you're talking about the elites, the people who are in the government. I'm talking about like people like my age who are 24 25 who like don't like big corporations like they don't you know what i'm talking no yeah. Uh, yeah who actual people who don't what the left kind of like used to be about um or at least the people who are marching on like occupy wall street type stuff you know what i mean but what i'm saying is the the expanse between the middle lower to middle class and the elites and the big corporations and the big money gets bigger as energy costs more. That's right. So you're voting for the thing that you don't want to happen. It's just like it's just like um, the studies that are saying that people start to care more about the environment when they're the GDP of a country is about three thousand. You know? And so the best thing to do is increase consumption in the short term to get people up to the point where they can afford to care about energy costs. But when you're living month to month or paycheck to paycheck, what do you care about the environment? You're just trying to get food on the table, right? That's why you'll go eat McDonald's well, and then instead the most of prosperous buying organic. are the ones that have done the most to reduce CO2. And it boggles my mind that there's really no need to do that. There's no need for the United States puts 10% of the five percent of the 0.042 percent of the co2 in the atmosphere or uh, england is even uh, england's one percent and there's china with uh, you know 40 times the amount and that's what gets me folks that's what gets me if you really really believe this okay i don't want you living in fear okay that's the worst thing you could do but if you really believe it, why aren't you just building nuclear power plants and why are you letting China do all this? And why are you forced to take all the pain unless someone, unless someone says that, someone says in his book that, well, the U.S. has 4% of the population and 25% of the resources that, that we use on the planet. That's not fair. We have to redistribute it. And I'll tell you who said that. That was none other than... Barack Obama. I read his books, and I wish a lot of the people that voted for him had actually read what he said. And the guy, listen, listen, I have nothing against Barack Obama. He's the most brilliant politician of our times, but he stuck his whole group in there be behind Biden, and he realized it's now or never to accomplish his dreams and his goals. He actually believes the world would be better off with the United States reduced. And apparently, you know, it's almost scriptural. If you look in Revelations, there's no power in the West mentioned in Revelation. So uh, if, if, you, if you look at things like that, where's the United States in Revelations? They talk about the East and talk about the North and all this stuff going on. But, you know, folks, you got to wake up. I, again, I always tell, we're running over here, but I always tell people, don't believe me. I'm not asking you to believe me or follow me 
And like I said before, I have enough, tr enough, enough trouble taking care of my own sins. But I'm asking you to actually look at things and understand from a guy that's 68 years old and still involved forecasting and needs to know. I need to know to be right that there's a lot of stuff going on here that mm. you've been sold a bag of goods, including circling back USA Today saying, Oh, we're not teaching climate change to kids, and we got kids with climate anxiety. Mm -hmm. Jeff, you know what my climate anxiety was when I was a kid? My dad would tell me a big storm was coming, and I'd be worried that it wouldn't be as bad as what he was saying. <laughs> I want it to be worse. Well, and at the end of the day, though, Joe, I, I, I think they're actually right, uh, not in the way that, <laughs> that they're, they're saying, but I don't even think we're educating the meteorologists properly mm -hmm. on, hey, let's look at the big picture and all of the no, different factors. I know that's not what USA Today was trying to get to, but I think they're right. We're not teaching young people and people in general what to actually look for and how to analyze the data that's there. Well, there's no more critical thinking because critical thinking involves you actually challenging authority. And what is crazy is the very people who came to power in the 60s and 70s, challenge authority, you know, government, you know, the man is all this. They're now the man. You know, it's fun. I heard a guy uh, the other day say, rage against the machine. Tommy Morello now is the machine, right? These folks, these folks have done this, and it's up to the younger people uh, to, to – and, and it's – I got to tell you, I've always believed that the secret to American success was the black population – I've always felt that that was the secret to the melting pot, that getting the, uh, especially a young black male, to buy into the American dream would complete the melting, we're a melting pot, right? And I, I always talk about Joseph in the Bible, sold into slavery by his brothers, and yet he bloomed where he was planted. And I got to tell you something, from what I see, everything, everything I see from these people on the left is to stop people from blooming where they're planted. I don't care if you're Italian. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're from the moon. Because when you get limited and you don't have vision and you don't have hope and you're, you can't even get a gallon of gas, all right, and you're worried about feeding your kid, all right, what do you think is going to happen here, right? So I've yeah, had this, I've had this whole I've, 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 I've said that. You've got to put food on the table. I, I've said that since I was in, in high school. I picked that up in high school. Uh, you know, what I uh, thought the linkage was. And, you know, the, everybody was into the, uh, you know, the uh, Great Society by L LBJ. And that was just designed to tear apart what was a basic conservative base. And you know where I learned that? I I'm going to tell you where I learned that, folks. I learned that sitting at the Point Diner after work between 12 and 12.45 with the cooks. All the cooks were from South Carolina. And they all lived in Atlantic City. And that bus came at 12.45, and the greatest thing was I'd work that 4 to 12 shift, and that's what they worked, and I'd get out there mm -hmm. and listen to, listen to them talk, and I was just like totally just captured by that whole, the whole situation and their heritage and their, uh, their bring-up. Uh, Saturday night was interesting because, you know, Friday night they might have a drink or two out there, but now Saturday night because they had church Sunday mm -hmm. morning, you know, I, I tell all the time, I tell people all the time, look, the four most important men in my life were my dad, Bill Cole, John Kerr, number four was Floyd Foster. And people go, 
Floyd Foster? Who the heck is Floyd? Mm-hmm. I've never heard of it. He was a line cook at the Point Diner. Mm-hmm. And he was just, I, I could almost start, I, every time, okay, so what happens is I'm out there bussing tables. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to go into the back kitchen. And Floyd was uh, always at the edge. And he's, we're talking about a guy who's about 235, 240, 65 years old, just, and uh, there was no air conditioning in the back. So these guys are sweating like crazy. And Floyd, <laughs> Floyd, <laughs> every time I walk, walk by, he'd grab me and go, let me give you a hug, you dumb dago bastard. That's what he called me all the time, right? You dumb dago. And then he'd go, I love you. But I remember one time he was telling me something. He goes, you see this dish rag? He used to call me young blood mm-hmm. all the time. He says, you see this dish rag, young blood? He says, now, a lot of people would have discarded it, but I know I could get one more, one more use out of it, right? He goes, you always have something if you know how to use it. Oh, it taught me that. And so I sat there and I thought, well, my dad used to teach us and what Bill Cole used to teach us, they were all into, you know, small, from, from, from small things, great things come. Yeah. And so I had this guy at the diner. Think about my rankings, okay? Actually, Floyd's probably ranked fifth because, well, there was, there was my dad, yeah, my dad, uh, Bill Cole, John Kerr at Penn State, and then Floyd is, is ranked fourth. But they all had the same thing in common. They all taught me that thing. But, boy, it was, I, I think of a lot. And I talked to some of the young kids on the wrestling team, and I tell them about Floyd Foster. And I said, you know what? Even though I'm Italian, you could think the think of me as your Floyd Foster. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I'm like it. That's that's sort of the way I, I see. I think I'm an old, I'm still the old the old liberal I was, or, or free thinking individual that loved this country, loved the Constitution, loved freedom of speech, loved all that stuff. I I don't think I'm any different than what I was in the '70s when I did vote for Jimmy Carter twice. And there are a lot of people that why. Hate me for that, but Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter's a good man, you know. A great man. Yeah. Actually, I, maybe on another uh, podcast <laughs> we can get into that because I'm not sure the truly good people uh, make good politicians at, at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's another story mm-hmm. for another day, maybe. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. We've gone. I've done it again. I've we, gone we, way. <laughs> we can wrap this one up. Well, l- listen, listen. It. I just gotta. I just gotta. A message from uh, uh, Bo Nichols' dad. When is it going to stop raining? And I go, <laughs> as, uh, as soon as Bo actually loses a fight, which is probably not going to happen. <laughs> not anytime soon. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. You guys sign off first, and I'll end it at, uh, like we usually do. This is a very professional thing. We're not on next week because we're going to Texas. And words of Davy Crockett. You could go to hell. I'm going to Texas. <laughs> you ever see Texas I, is where the Cowboys just lost to the Cardinals. By the nope. way, that's oh, that's going to that's going to wreck Mike. That's going to wreck no. Micah's commercial. Well, yeah, Dude, I'm beast. okay with it because the Cowboys lost. <laughs> you know what? Though pro football, you just root for a jersey. It's not oh, like college. It's, that's very well. Very I don't know. True. I feel like it's still. I'm still rooting for the college. It's like I want to see Micah Parsons win. I I, I can see that. Or the, I, the yeah. only or see team, Joe Burrow win. And this is from a guy from Jersey that's an Eagle fan. The only team I think that is a real loyal, uh, good old fashioned sort of like a, the the pro example of a college team of the Steelers. No, that the Steel, that, I at do Pittsburgh not like the is just. Listen, I've grown to love Pittsburgh. 
Oh, I, I'm the Even opposite. though I, every time I, I compete out there, I, really I get blown like... off the stage. <laughs> just, oh, I I'm just the go to, go to Bingo de Peppos. And, uh, <laughs> all right, well, Jeff side off, Jesse side off, and then I guess I'll end it. This huh? is uh, Jeff signing off. This is Jesse signing off. And this is uh, Joe Bastardi. <laughs> I'm the American Storm, and I want you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got.